Excellent. Can we give the uh, worship team and uh, Hula Halau another round of applause? It's so awesome to have so many different ways to uh, worship God in a service, like just music and then dance and the word and prayer. It's just, it's amazing. I don't think, uh, the church I came from a year and a half ago, we didn't have that many, uh, that much diversity in our worship service like this. I love it. Um, Okay, so we are just finishing up our sermon series on Christmas through the eyes of, right? We, Christmas through the eyes of Herod, Christmas through the eyes of the shepherds, Christmas through the eyes of the innkeeper. And I chose Joseph um, just because there's, there's so little about Joseph, actual like verses dedicated to the character of Joseph, but um, I think there's a lot we can learn from his uh, example and his, his story. And so we're going to open with a prayer and read his story, and then I'm going to just unpack um, his story in these few verses. Uh, let's just pray right now to start. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity we have to worship you. This whole service, our, our being here in this room is about you. We just want to focus on you. We want to hear your Holy Spirit speak to us right now. Um, we thank you for the, the worship, uh, just being able to sing praises to your name and remember why we're here and what this whole Christmas uh, season is about, but, but just our whole lives are about, Jesus. It's about being your disciple and following you, and I thank you for that reminder. Um, I also pray that as we move through the rest of this service that we would be focused on um, what you have to speak to us. Just prepare our hearts for um, whatever it is that you want us to speak and to hear, I should say, um, so that we can go out into the world and look more like you and, and say and think things that are more like you in your character. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I, I think that the, the story of Joseph, if you just read the verses like we're gonna do, I think it just kind of goes, bleh. There's not much there, right? But I think that the story of Joseph actually has some really cool stuff about radical love and compassion that we we have to dig in to really catch. So I'm going to be reading uh, from Matthew 1, chapter 1, 18 through 25. 18 through 25. So if you have your Bible, uh, I hope you do, pull it out, follow along with us as we read um, Matthew 1, starting with verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because, her jo- because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So we're going to stop right there. It's it's pretty straightforward, yeah? He had doubts. The angel spoke to him. He took Mary home his wife. He adopted Jesus, and that's the end of the story. Gave him the name Jesus. But I I need just to to go back to verse 19 when we first see Joseph's name, because there's a word that's going to be very important that we understand as we go through all these verses. And that's this idea, um, if, what is verse 19? Uh, can we go to the next one? 
Yes, okay, I think the version I read didn't say this. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man. Depending on which translation you have, the word could be just or righteous, right? Often it's righteous. I think the one I I read, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, right? And they all mean the same thing. But there's one Hebrew word to describe what Joseph was, right? We need to understand this. The word is sadiq. Sadiq. It's a Hebrew word. It's used all through the Old Testament to describe someone who is righteous, who is just. But it's more than just um, being righteous, right? Sadiq, it is a life of following God and obeying his commands. So this is, so Sadiq is only given to people who had built up over time a reputation of being righteous, So the law, which is the first five books of the Bible, often known as the Torah, right? This is what Joseph studied and memorized. He grew up in a community where the the Torah was everything. For a Jewish boy, you would sit and study and memorize the scripture for hours each day. And Joseph had reached a level, Sadiq, righteous, where he had put it into practice. So now he's a grown man, right? But he's built a reputation, this is, I think, for us, because if, we, if we're reading it with our 21st century eyes, we might miss it. For us, it would be like a businessman ex- aspiring to be the CEO, right? Sadiq in his village, this is high honor, respect, right? He doesn't have to be the, the, um, the top leader in the, the religious synagogue or anything. He just has the honor of being Sadiq because he has earned that. Uh, it would also like an athlete trying to be an all-star. So the, for a Jewish boy, this is, this is what they're shooting for. This is the goal. So Joseph was righteous, faithful. He was Sadiq. And uh, it came with a lot of honor. So we need to just right now uh, remember at the beginning that's what it is. It's also just a whole bunch of obeying, uh, sorry, of just memorizing and studying. It actually was a lifestyle of obedience. He had a relationship with God that was contingent on following some rules. I mean, that's what he was doing, but he also had a genuine close relationship with God. And I think that's important. That's, there's a reason why God chose Mary and why God chose Joseph, right? They were already positioned in their hearts to follow and obey Jesus. And we see that radical obedience later. But Joseph is Sadiq with a problem, right? He's engaged to be married to a teenage girl who is pregnant. Now, a teenage girl being pregnant today does not make news, right? That's just kind of very, almost sadly accepted in our culture that that would happen, that that would be, uh, you know, rampant in public school or just in high school age, whatever. But back then in this small community of Nazareth, the idea that a, a teenage girl outside of marriage would be pregnant is huge news, huge news. That would have been spreading through that community so fast, Right? So he's Sadiq, righteous, with a problem because the girl that he's engaged to is, by the pers- from the perspective of the people, is a sinner. That is sin that needs to be excluded. And so this, this problem that, that uh, Joseph has, is, uh, it's huge in his life because a lot rides on this. Imagine that conversation, right? Mary comes to Joseph and goes, I've got bad news and I've got good news. Bad news, I'm pregnant, Right? And that would have been enough right there to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The good news is I wasn't unfaithful to you, right? Mary did nothing wrong. The Holy Spirit chose her to be the virgin mother of Jesus, of God. So just picture Joseph sitting there hearing that. Like, what, is, what does he think? I mean, his girlfriend, his fiance, his, the person he's engaged to is trying to tell him that without any 
sin or, or whatever, sinful behavior, she now is pregnant. And so he's like processing this, like what am I supposed to think here? He's probably the first girl in the world to say that uh, bad news, I'm pregnant and I was never unfaithful, right? This is the first time that excuse was used. So he, he's looking at Mary, who is obviously sincere, right? We know Mary's heart because the Bible tells us, and we know that she's telling the truth, but Joseph doesn't know that. But there's something, I mean, something radically changed when that angel came to Mary. He can pick up on that. And so he's got this, this, this pull back and forth, which leads to his dilemma. Now, as Sadiq, it would have been very clear what he was supposed to do. And let's look at what the Bible says. This is, this is Deuteronomy twenty two twenty one. This is what every Sadiq friend of his would have been reminding him, okay? This is what happens to a woman who is caught in uh, like a sexual uh, unfaithfulness or scandal, right? She shall be brought to the door of her father's house, and there the men of her town shall stone her to death. She has done an outrageous thing in Israel by being promiscuous while still in her father's house. You must purge the evil from among you, right? This is what all of his buddies are reminding him. You know your duty. You know what the law says. This is what happens. Mary deserves to be stoned, right? But Joseph, remember, he's been studying all of the Old Testament. He's not just familiar with Deuteronomy 22. He knows the whole counsel of the Old Testament. He realizes, and he, he's read, read all the scriptures about a God who is compassionate and loves mercy. And so he would have been thinking, Micah 6.8, there's many, but here's one. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You see that? You got to act justly. She needs to be stoned. The sin must be purged. This is what, this is what the community is hounding into. The, the sin must be purged. The sinner must be removed. You know, purity of the community is what, what all of this is about. And, he, and he's, on the other hand, he's, he wants to uh, be compassionate and loving to, towards Mary, whom he loves, right? <clears throat> so this is, uh, this is his struggle that no one else would have understood around. They would have just said, do the right thing, you know, have her stoned. And he comes up with the, his solution, is kind of a win-win for Joseph, right? <clears throat> so he decides he's going to show compassion to Mary, right? And this is what compassion looked like. I'm going to divorce her quietly. She's still, her reputation is done. She's ruined because she is now, you know, a single unwed mother, right? Or pregnant, going to be a mother. But Joseph wants to save his own reputation. So he's divorcing her quietly, separating himself from the sin so that he can remain Sadiq. Right? He's, trying to, he's trying to have both those together. So disassociating from the baby, disassociating from Mary, disassociating from the sin, the problem, the Sadiq with the problem. He wants to keep that, his reputation and his standing in the community intact. And this is all happening. This struggle in his mind is all happening before the angel comes. Right? The angel has not come to confirm that Mary's message was true. So now listen to what the angel tells Joseph in a dream. This is verse 20 and 21. The angel says, but after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from his sins. Why, it's interesting, why does she say, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife? Why is that the very first thing he leads with? Because that's exactly what Joseph was afraid of. It's gonna, that's the one thing that's going to ruin his his entire career, his whole life, right? Everything that is, that is his whole life has been working and striving to become and maintain his sadiqness, right? That righteousness. 
before people, really. It's his reputation. Joseph was afraid of losing his reputation, right? His status in the town, respect, friends, other Sadiq righteous people now can't have anything to do with Joseph if, if he obeys the angel, right? He's going to lose his friends, his employment opportunities. Joseph, uh, the, some of the translations say he was a carpenter. Uh, Major was just sharing that in, when they were in Israel, they learned that really that word is builder. And so he was more like a construction worker. And he might have traveled to another town where there was a lot of construction projects and been a part of constructing and building. But if, you, if he loses his reputation, these Sadiq people in his little community are not going to give him his business. He's no longer worthy of doing transactions with because he's lost that righteousness. So of course he's going to be afraid. So the very first word of the angel's mouth, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, right? To obey the angel right now is social suicide. Everything about his life is going to change radically if he obeys. And this is, this is where I just, uh, as I was reading this, I was just struck with this idea, the difference between reputation and character, right? We, we kind of, I think we all here know what the difference is. Reputation, <clears throat> right, is what people think you are. It's, it's people's thoughts about you. It's from the outside, their perspective. It's, it's that community looking at me and looking at Joseph and going, sinner, and Joseph is Sadiq, right? That's his, their reputation. But then character is what you actually are on the inside, the part of you that you know about and that God knows about and that really matters. And, and it's just interesting, based on what the angel, the message from God to Joseph is, God is more interested in your character or obedience to him, right, than he is in your reputation, He's more, and yet there are over, I looked it up because in my head I was like, wait a minute, does God not care about reputation? But not, there are over a hundred verses in the Bible specifically talking about the value of a good name in the Bible. So reputation is not in, is not worthless. The Bible says we should have a, a, a good reputation. We should work to have our character in front of the people of the world be good, right? We should do good works that cause people to understand are following Jesus Christ. Reputation matters. But in this, God is more interested in obedience than he is in your reputation. And this is where we see probably the second most amazing verse of obedience in just this chapter. Uh, The first tells Mary that she's going to have the baby, and Mary goes, may it be to me everything that you've said about having Jesus, right? That just unbelievable immediate obedience to God. May it be so. That's what she says. Now look at what Joseph, verse 24, 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. It's interesting. When God speaks, that's the timing for obedience. How many parents do we know that delayed obedience is disobedience, right? Go make your bed. And then right before bed that night, they're like straightening it out. It's like, no, you disobeyed. I told you to go make your bed this morning and you didn't do it. When God speaks to us, obedience is then. The time to obey is right then. He, he woke up and he did what the angel, what, he, what God had told him to do. And that's huge. There's two things that Joseph did here that are important. The first was that he took Mary home as his wife. Now this is a step. Right? This, is, this is literally the marriage. This is when he took her home to be his wife. That's the first legal step. And the second one is he named Jesus. You'll see, or he, he gave Jesus his name. Um, that was in verse 25, I believe. Yes. This is also a legal step because when the father names the son, he's saying, that's my son. He's now adopting Jesus. So the Sadiq has now taken home 
a, a young girl who appears to be a sinner, right? Nobody else is thinking that she was, has an immaculate conception, right? Every, that's a sinner. So he's taking her into his family. He's saying, Mary, I identify with you. You are now my wife. And then he names the illegitimate son that everyone thinks that that is, right? Jesus. And he says, you are my son. He's now forever taken his reputation in his life and tied it to, what, to something that looks sinful. Joseph will never again be Sadiq, right? He's lost that forever. He can never have that, that status, that reputation ever again. And it's really interesting. Um, we may actually get a glimpse of what that meant to Joseph and his reputation if we jump to Mark 6. So, different book of the Bible. It's telling the story of Jesus. In Mark 6, Jesus has, is now grown. He's in his 30s. He has disciples following him. He's going from town to town teaching and he's doing miracles. But he arrives back at Nazareth which is his hometown. Remember, these towns are super tiny. I don't know if uh, uh, when Major was preaching, if you mentioned, but that when Herod killed all the baby boys that were less than two, it might have only been like a dozen or less, like six to eight. And that's how very small that this, this region was. Um, so now Jesus is back in his hometown. It's only been a few years, right? And, and there's this line that they say, these people that are hearing him, people who knew Jesus, right? They saw him grow up. They know Joseph, they know Mary, and, and the word they use, they say, isn't this, well, first they're going, who do they think he is? Who does he think he is? That's what they start with. And then they go, isn't this Jesus, the son of Mary? Now, when I read, read that, it's just like, okay, yes, that is Mary's son. But actually, that is unheard of, that you would be known by your mom's name is ridiculous. All throughout scripture, in the Jewish culture, it was always uh, Solomon, son of David, right? It was never Solomon, son of Bathsheba, right? Even if your dad had died, which by this time, it's been about 30 years, there's a good chance Joseph has died because we don't see him in the story. We always see, you hear about Mary and his brothers, but you don't hear about Joseph. So there's a good chance he died. It doesn't matter. You would never then switch Joseph's son of Mary, or Jesus, son of Mary. You would always still be known as Jesus, son of Joseph, or Matthew, son of Stephen, right? So his reputation has never in his town, has never recovered. His name, the name of Joseph, which is huge in the Bible, has never recovered. So we may even see, even there, in the way they say Jesus, son of Mary, uh, a hint about what Joseph's like was when he associated with Mary and with Jesus. And he said, I'm with him, I identify with you. And here we get uh, to, the, to the point of Joseph's story, and really why I just wanted to, like, to share that this morning, have it be Joseph's story, is because I think we see in Joseph a, a picture of radical love and compassion that is almost a foreshadowing or a foretelling of what Jesus was going to do on the cross. The whole purpose of why he came to earth was for this. And I think God was using Joseph and his life to show that kind of love and compassion to people who are unloving. And this is, in his wisdom, God allowed Jesus to be born into a family of spiritually second-class citizens, right? They were already less than everyone else in the community. Joseph's sadiqness, his righteousness, gone. And I, I think God was getting ready to show a picture of a new type of righteousness that is not based on, one, what other people think of you, but two, all the things that you've done, all those things you're striving to, be, to uphold and maintain, to, to get your appearance and your, your, your mask and the, the, what you portray to everyone around you to be good and clean and right. right. That's what Joseph spent his life. 
And God is telling him, no, there's actually something more that I'm coming to set up. It's not about what you do anymore. It's what I am going to do. It's what I have done on the cross in Jesus. It's a different type of of righteousness. And it's interesting. We don't usually think about Jesus the man because he's 100% man and he's 100% God. And sometimes we think of him getting born and sometimes we go, oh yeah, Jesus fell down and he cut his knee, right? That's a very human thing to do. Now he's bleeding. That's a God doesn't bleed, right? So it's his, his humanness. But, but Jesus, the little boy, grew up and learned things from Joseph, right? He would have gone to school and heard the whispers about his family and the way that he, you know, oh, that's Mary and Joseph's son. They're the ones who we don't know what happened there, but he, t- he was used to be righteous and Sadiq, and now he's no longer, right? His reputation is ruined. And that's that's the, the family that Jesus grew up in. Is this, this uh, understanding that his dad uh, chose Mary when it was hard and it meant losing his reputation. And then he adopted Jesus. This is the story. And only Mary and Jesus would have known the truth. Maybe a few relatives, Elizabeth and John in a nearby town, right? But, but it would have been in the community they lived in. It would have been hard to grow up in that. And that may be one of the reasons why Jesus was passionate to women who were caught in scandals. Many times in the Gospels, Jesus is confronted with these situations of, of people who are, are caught in their sin. And the very famous one, of course, they, they grabbed the woman caught in adultery and they were going to stone, stone her right there on the spot, right? And Jesus said, he who is without sin, you get to throw the first stone. They all had stones in their hand and Jesus refused to pick up a stone. This is a compassion level that has nothing to do with the lady's sin anymore, right? They didn't care about the person that was caught in adultery. They were all worried about upholding the law and chucking rocks to make sure that they were pure and righteous and, you know, sadiq themselves. And God is saying, nope, there's something else going on here. And this is, this is what I see in, in the, the story of Joseph that I thought was so cool. God coming to earth, born in a humble stable, into a family disgraced in the eyes of the town, he was starting a new type of community, a new type of sadiqness, right? Righteousness. It's available to all, and it's based on Jesus, right? Not on ourselves, and it's a free gift that God has given us, right? This is the picture that we're seeing. It's a new type, of, a new way of living, a new way of looking at our relationship with God. Jesus freely gives us this, and it's available to everyone right now. Anyone who can, who, who can just come and, and say like Joseph said, I'm with him. I'm with her. I tie myself to them. I stand with them, right? I make, he made Mary and Jesus a part of his life, and we just say, I'm with him. That's what we identify with Jesus. And um, I'm already done. I just, as we close and pray, I want to end with a couple, uh, couple just challenge questions towards us as a church and then us individually. Because this is what I think the challenge that Joseph is laying down is. Can we love people this way? Is there someone in your life that is hard to love? The community that Jesus grew up in looked at Jesus, Joseph and Mary and Jesus and they said, hard to love. They're not Sadiq. They're not righteous, right? They're outsiders, outcasts. I cannot love them because that would make, it would make me look bad. And this is exactly what Jesus is calling us to. And I think, I think what that looks like for us is difficult people. Honestly, we could start right there because every single one of us has a difficult person, right? Could be related to you. Very, very likely, and someone is related to you is difficult to love. And I think, I think the challenge for us individually is 
are, how can you love them? And then realize too that any difficult person or unloving person, I mean, just picture them in your mind. You don't have to say their name out loud or tell anybody. You know, those difficult people, right? God wants to show his love through you to that person. And he wants to grow you into Christ's likeness, his character in the process. They're in your life as a challenge, as a struggle, right? They're difficult to you, for you, so that he can make you look more like Jesus. He want, that's why difficult people and hard-to-love people are in your life, is to make you more like Jesus. So one of the most important things we need to have in our life is identify those hard people, those, those difficult people, and love them. And, and then just, I think of us as a church, like, how do we organize ourselves and gather together to go reach those people? You know, in your Ohana groups and where you meet and shop and work and play, right? Who in those communities and areas needs to see the love of Jesus? And where can we go way outside of our comfort zone? Look, I'm not talking about giving up your reputation. We're not Joseph's status giving it all up right now. We're just talking about getting to some place that's uncomfortable for us, where these people are, and go and show them a radical type of love and compassion that Joseph modeled, that Jesus, of course, modeled on the cross. Because this is, this is my hope, that... Uh, this, at Christmas time, because we're thinking all these thoughts right now, at Christmas time, we would be able to say with Joseph, I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. I identify with the things that Jesus stood for and stands for. And I see it in the life of Joseph, but of course, in the perfect life of Jesus Christ, I identify with him, and I stand, I tie my life and my reputation, my character to the life of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to live that way with the people around me. That's just what I want to close for. Let, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this, uh, this time we've had just to be in your word. Um, I pray that just as we look at the life of Joseph, we think about um, the example he did, laying, giving up his reputation in obedience to you, God, as an example, as a model for us to follow. God, I pray that we would think right now, what is it that is a barrier between us and genuine submission and obedience to you, God? Who is it in our life, Lord, can reveal to us by your Holy Spirit, the people in our life that are unloving or, or, or are hard to love and that we need to really open our hearts to and show the love of Jesus. God, I pray that you would um, just continue to work on our hearts and mold us, make that character in us like Christ so that we can model that. And it, that people won't see us, they will see the love of Jesus Christ flowing through us. God, and I pray that you would uh, continue to, sh- to pour out your blessings of love and grace as we, we live our lives trying to follow you and obey you in this world. God, I thank you again for everything that you are doing and for the people that you are making in this room, the disciples of Jesus Christ who are, who are trying to follow you. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to work on them and mold their character into who you want us to become. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.